podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Before we get into today's episode and today's recording, I guess I have an announcement of sorts. Uh, after much deliberation and thought, I, I am formally letting those that listen and, and thank you for support know that I'm changing the direction of things, changing the way that I approach the creation and um, the release, the production, or whatever have you of of this podcast as it as as it has been or as at least as it's been called it's still going to be podcast you don't got to adjust your podcast receptor your podcast player or anything else um but understand um immediately 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 as some might say um in the coming recordings uh the way i approach things will be different um as old as it has been will not be the same good brothers as a piece of the Ash Old Head, you know, creative world will be still itself. So me and Majestic will continue to connect and add on. But the other aspects um, and even um, and, and stuff that I've been slowly stewing over here for some time will start to become a part of what's released and what's created. Um, so just stay tuned and thank you for your support and for listening. And let's get into this week's conversation. Peace. Peace. I'm Jesse. I'm Brother Justice. What's hey, up? I'm good. I'm good. So um we just gonna get into it. Um so in the in the in the in-between, the last time we spoke, uh a documentary, a short documentary, I guess you could say, uh, uh untold, uh, which I guess is a series of stories around untold, but this one particularly focused on the malice in the palace, uh, which uh, the the delightful name for the altercation that involved players in the Indiana Pacers, uh, Detroit Pistons, and the fans of the Detroit Pistons. And I guess, you know, um, so I wanted to, there's some, some things in there, though, that I thought were, um, I thought were really interesting. I wanted to touch base with you on and around a couple issues. So, uh, I mean, we could just slide in. And then, and then also some ongoings and going-ons um, that I think are connected around, uh, you know, mental health performance, uh, you know, athletic performance, professional athletics, as it right. were. Um, so uh, it's particularly related to the to the sister uh, Shikari and yeah, and and what happened this weekend at the Prefontaine, uh, which at some point in the future I gotta go down there and actually just watch the prefontaine i, I don't know yeah, what the costs yeah. are but it happens you know two hours for me so <laughs> it's not even right. two hours it's like an hour and a half but that's know. like one of the things that people would be like there's just like this intense incredible track culture going on at the end of america 
Right. <laughs> like, like, it, I mean, deep in Oregon. <laughs> right. It definitely is one of those. I think there's a there's a cognitive like where you're like, wait, why is this in like why is it in Oregon? But like, but well, why, you know, it's one of them that I go, like, well, why isn't it in Oregon? Like, right, yeah, right. I mean, at some point right. it's like it's there because somebody organized it. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, yeah, like, yeah. well, then you know the sneaker, the relationship. So, no, I was about to say, uh, right. I was about yeah, to say I mean, because of because of you know yeah. the, the the legend and reality that is Nike. Right. right, like right. it's it's not just. I mean, one they've done a really good job. Probably one of the best brands in the world, framing the performance and the idea behind the performance mm-hmm. of people you don't know as part of their DNA. Right, mm-hmm. like the pre the, the prefontaine culture, the, the early running culture um, that you know was was taking place, and then how that shifted into even other sports right from Bo Jackson right to mm-hmm. McEnroe right to you know uh, Jordan obviously but a whole host of other basketball players at that time right like George George Gervin wore Nike's like so just that whole culture of like performance that then became so synonymous with this intense this idea so you know uh, yeah definitely we gotta see what's up Check out the Prefontaine game. That could be a uh, yeah. take it off on our on a bucket list. On bucket <laughs> lists, right? You know what I mean. So yeah. So what's what's a you know? Let me ask you what what's what do you think? What's a good entry point? Let's just maybe. Well, what's I, your I think first it's thought? Just, it, it's just something to to have a conversation. I think it will you know as you said it ties into what we're going to build on. I think there's something around you know how we're handling mental health and expectations and performance right now Mm -hmm. for elite athletes and specifically black women right Mm -hmm. um and in a sense that a sister you know obviously when you know all the stuff happened to her at um the around olympics and around our family and the people that care for and we built on it and i think people came and put their arms around her in an appropriate way given everything that was happening and the emotional expectations and stuff like that so then you know yesterday she gets mollywhopped, right? Like, but there's no other way to talk about it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it looked like she was running a different race, right? Like her shoes were too small or something, right? Mm-hmm. And so from a performance perspective, she turned in a subpar performance, right? And that's just what it is. So when people are like, well, y'all, you know, y'all can't come for her, this, that, and the third. No, as a an elite performer, objectively she got dragged right nothing to say that we don't support her care about her want her to win but there's also you just didn't perform yeah right and i so and i know it's a balance but i think it's also really important to say that at the same time yes she is an elite performer and she didn't run away from the fact she got dragged and molly wop so why are we running away from it right in the sense of that her athletic performance is above reproach, right? The fact of caring for her, being thoughtful as a young woman, as a young black woman, and how we want to be helpful, that I think is, that should always be there. But we can also do that and say, you did not turn in your best performance for a variety of reasons. You know what I mean? And so it's just that, you know, I know it's a tap dance, but I also think it's just to be balanced because we can't not say that you, you gotta, you gotta perform. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and I think 
especially as we, we get deeper in, because I thought that was a real important point of, of the of the of the of the malice story. Um, and even the way we, you know, we we discuss people's mental health and kind of where they're at in a very like blanket sort of obscuring fashion that doesn't speak to like doesn't speak to like you know are we talking about a clinical situation like where a person may have a a a clinical in the context of they have a a bio like a a psychiatric mm -hmm. biological thing happening right with their behavior versus something that may be um not necessarily physical right but it's still still important right stress is still you know stress these other things you know uh and so like really like what is the actual what are the things that the person needs to be well in the moment and how does then that relate to what they're doing or they're a part of um and then also being aware of what they're dealing with and and, and again i credit her because she she don't run away from it uh but other people see but what to, they make they create a, a space where it gives you the feeling that they they don't think it's appropriate to to call into question right the performance right. of what you're doing and the same thing with um you know other when we, when we get to, to ron and 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 the and, and that team and 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 their their mind state when they're making the decisions that were made that we can look at something and say due to the stress and the circumstances that you were in and your mental state you may not have done a, a great choice or you may have may have had a bad performance it it does not mean that then we like that the expectation should be that like we we act like you're not supposed to have better performances if you're going to be doing this thing that you're doing right right you know, right uh, right like it's like if you had a if you pull it out out of the context of sports if you had a a member of, of a staff or a co-worker that was just going through, you know, like, you know, maybe a loss in the family and a, and then a, 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 a wrenching personal circumstance, you know, in a relationship. Uh, and then they were just having their own whatever, you know, resurfacing of something or whatever, you know, from a mental health perspective, you know, you, you either as a peer or as a, as a manager or a person that, that had to be engaged or, or care, you, you know, you'd be like, all right, well, let's figure out, where you're at so that we can calibrate our expectations to where you're at right now. It's not necessarily right. a, you like we, we pull back and you just do whatever. And we just go, well, you know, he's going through a lot right now. And we just, it's like, no, no, let's, we need to have a real conversation about, all right, if you're going through these things at this moment, is this a situation where maybe you take a fall back <laughs> from work for a couple of weeks so you can get right. Right. And, right, and we adjust, right. we respect the idea that you got to get healthy. We also respect the idea that whatever we're doing together still has to happen. So we need to figure That's out right. how it can happen while you get healthy. Right. And then when you're in a better spot, you know, you come back in or whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. And, and I, I think that, you know, I know, you know, sports is, is, is an abstraction. It's, it's over here, right. It's, it's out on the outlier. But when we we get to this conversation about these things and what's been happening, um, you know, I, I I applaud like, you know, just the you know I think the the, the salient examples over the last couple of months from Naomi Osaka to Simone Biles, um, and just them saying, "Yo, I gotta I gotta step away," like, and right. it's no harm, no foul. You know what I'm saying? And then when you're ready to come back, come on back. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and, and I think that's reasonable. The 
the the and 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 you depending on what you know media inputs you you access and and then especially some of the social media inputs you know where you're trying to understand I, like you know I I'll, I'll say for week for myself you know I try to I try to I try to engage with the Twitter world and sometimes I it's hard for me to find people's editorial perspective on any particular issue right and right. in terms of like folks who I think are you know good people smart people caring people but it, it you know I it becomes hard to know what what they're arguing for and what they're not arguing for. And so right. when, and, and again, that's why you should have a limited barometer <laughs> for, for any media input, whatever it is. Um, you know, and then that and I I think it actually actually that actually segues well into this other conversation because the way an idea, an issue, or a behavior that someone does in the public sphere gets framed often becomes this like. It has it, it gets further and further away actually from the person <laughs> and goes into whatever someone, you know, the person that's having the conversation, whoever's writing the op-ed, who's doing the reporting, who's doing the um, you know, doing the Twitter uh stream or whatever they call it. They they're doing their uh thread on it. <clears throat> they you know, in the days of Tumblr and other blogs being more prominent, they're making their, you know, they're doing their medium post. That's right, right. I guess free advertising. Uh <laughs> uh, <laughs> right which ultimately though is how that person sees the situation what they think is important about it is not necessarily what you need to decide is important about it or mm. it may or may not be actually attached to any facts or you know right deeply thought things but it it definitely is um you know it, it's 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 challenging uh but then also it comes back to like what are our bona fides and we're talking about professional athletes, you know, in, in the performance of their work, you know, or their, their, their skill, their trade that they apply. It's like, you know, and I, and I, had, I hope, so. I mean, I, you know, when she get on the other side of this, you know, and I wonder maybe speaks to the overall that some folks would say team, you know, USA track and field, you know, not, not necessarily, uh, it, it consistently, but busting folks <laughs> the way the way previous years have gone i think maybe we could say right. i think would be right. safe to say so then you ask the question is like damn was the sis get trained well the, the six weeks that she wasn't at the olympics when everybody else was like right right like what you know what happened in there you know what i'm saying you, know, you should get it right on the other side no that makes sense that makes sense so you know i, I think you know as we talk about the the you know, that time, right, when you frame it kind of like the past time of the NBA. I think it is important to look today that I think more good attention is being paid to the mental health of athletes mm -hmm. and what it means and seeing them as a whole person and not a commodity, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because I do think that, you know, there's a, there's a commodification, commod commodification, capitalism, fans, you know, there's, there's a lot there, right? There's, there's some more there, I think, than we tend to unpack in regard to when someone is doing something at a high level, usually for your enjoyment, mm -hmm. right? Like, they, it has been packaged, like, you know, I don't know who the best square dancer is in the world, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a square dance competition somewhere in the world, and there's a champion, but it's not being done for our benefit, right? Mm-hmm. That is a person who is doing something at an extremely high level for the group of people who do it. 
Yeah. Sports on TV is stuff that's being done at an extremely high level for you to watch it, become a fan of it, and pay for it, which then becomes an entirely different relationship mm-hmm. to it. Right. And so, you know, I know we're going to get a little bit into that, but I do think there's a shift there. And, and also, and I'll, you know, I don't want to, you know, kind of go too deep into it. There's also, as, as athletes have taken more control of their, their sense of their commodity, right? And they've commodified mm-hmm. themselves, but, but I, we can get into that. So. Yeah. But, well, I think, you know, I think with that, let's, I mean, we pivot in and then we come back, you know, I guess I'll just say just so, so that it's said, um, you know, wish the best for the sister and that the next time she got there and hit the tarmac that she don't get molly whopped. You know what I'm saying? Don't, you know, yeah. <laughs> we need you team you USA, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need you. Yeah, sis. Get back to getting them. Don't, don't yeah, let man. that happen again. Yeah, man. That's like, she was in slow motion. Like, like what the hell what in the world? Like, all we got, Mommy baby. <laughs> um, so for so if you for those that may not know then you know because i'm sure there are some people that may not really follow the basketball i mean it's probably just as it says oh yeah that's when those nba players went and fought the fans right so the malice in the palace is was a a a i mean especially re-watching it watching it and then going and doing a little bit of like trying to find old you know, videos about it when it happened. I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna start with. I was watching that game. You know, um, I, I, it was at. I was in my living room. I don't think my family was home. I don't know where, why they weren't home, or why I was home and they weren't home. But I don't think. I think I was in the house by myself, as I remember it. And, and you know, Indiana was busting Detroit's ass, <laughs> right, like, straight up. Like no bullshit about it, and I was like, "Yo, they might be the best. They they the best team in the league. Like they going. This is this is a title team. Like they was busting Detroit ass. And Detroit really could. They was like Detroit, but they could play. They had better offense, so they had like as good a defense as Detroit, but they could score. Right. They had they had three four people that could actually get a bucket. <laughs> Where Detroit, you know, sometimes struggled to find somebody that could <laughs> could get a yeah, bucket. Rip, if, if Rip if Rip wasn't on you know, Rip wasn't being Rip. They yeah. was having a challenge during that time. Rip yeah, Hamilton they, wasn't a. <laughs> you ain't couldn't get no buckets. Tayshawn could score off the what's the name? You know, Chauncey Billups obviously great, great player. But yeah, they they would go yeah. through long spells, and, and Ben Wallace was kind of like negative one. Like, don't even give it to him to be that. Like, right, he was score a yeah, I mean, like all all of them was way too good at defense, like just as a teams. Like they was like defense was they were so good at defense that it was like, man, who needs offense? Let's just stop the other team. <laughs> you know, I can dig it. Yeah, you know I mean, so you get this situation, you know, I, I, and I think it's important. I mean, it's the ill thing about sports is sort of like, what is the appropriate level of animus? You know, what I mean, and like right. intention, right? Like for the players on the court. You know, I, you know, as a, just a person that is competitive and, and like sports and kind of like, like I'm a hundred percent with being like, where you like, damn, are y'all really mad at each other? The way y'all playing against each other? Like, we're not really, it's not really personal. I just want to win this game, but like, right. ain't nothing, nothing happened out here 
is do I intend to like take with me when we get off the court? Right. <laughs> like whatever we doing, you know, we arm wrestling. <laughs> like right. I want to win, but I'm not also planning later to be like, I hate you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a real personal beef, but it, but, but it can, I understand people pl- that play that hard. Right. And, and Ron, uh, and I think we all have experienced somebody that plays that hard that you start wondering, like, damn, is it really an issue between us? Like, whew, right, right. Like, you really mad. But then, like, fans and people that are watching, and and I want to say this because most of the additional coverage, like, and I've had did get a chance to listen to a couple other interviews of Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal, to his credit, you know, gives props as like one like the producer, the producer, I think, is, is the title of, of this piece and in many ways there's a rehabilitative aspect of this um particularly as it pertains to him and it and it put me in the mindset of thinking about um you know the larger perception of black men and and, and you know nba players as a proxy <laughs> for black men as public figures mm. um, well it's also i mean i just want to touch on that thing to your point there and we're in a time where athletes are fostering their own narratives, right? Mm-hmm. Like literally they're producing their own content, right? Yeah. And so, you know, that is a huge shift in media yeah. where we actually have the person that's doing the thing, talking about how they do the thing, then talking about how they saw others do the thing versus what traditionally has been, there are a group of people who have not been particularly good at a thing they have been somewhat good at talking about the thing who have defined the thing in all of our minds. And mm-hmm. for so long, that has been the reality of there is a white man who is talking about the thing that black men do well mm-hmm. in defining if that black person is doing something well. Right. 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 And, like, right. and if they're doing it the appropriate way. Like yeah, right, their right. style the correct way is their mannerism is their approach um appropriate uh, so to speak too and yeah and, and there's so much laden in there so i do agree with you that i think him telling his story um and reframing it for the world um is an important shift in it looking at it 16 years later yeah. right uh, yeah and i want to just get it you know, established in the in the dialogue that before we, you know, because I think there's, I, I was really, there's some things with the interpersonal dynamics of them as men and other things that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, but I want to say, I've never gone to a sporting event thinking that a reasonable outcome was me like fighting the players <laughs> of, the, of the sport right. in any way. You know what I'm saying? Like there's not, uh, I, I, I mean, the only, you know, uh, I would say that I would possibly have the emotional uh, content or energy, you know, capacity to get at least fired up enough to like, you know, throw my throw my empty uh, giant cup of soda is maybe at the Eagles if I went to a Giants game. Like maybe, <laughs> like maybe, like I, I would at least think like, man, I hate it. You know what I mean? But then it'd be like. Look, I was about to say, so I was about to say, <laughs> well, you know, we're from the Delaware Valley. Hey, let me throw off your jersey. So. I, you know, being from Philadelphia, it's like, 
I am used to people having some unreal relationship to sports, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like the places where they throw stuff at people's kids and snowballs, and like right. you have a you have a court underneath the vet, right? So right? you can deal with the the issues that happen at the vet. You can deal with the hooligans, <laughs> literally, that would come to the vet, right? And I, I do want to touch on, frankly, there's a racial aspect there, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, we can touch on what happened in Detroit because I think that has a particular thing. But yeah, people identify themselves as fans, get worked up. They have told themselves or they have been told by the dominant narrative that the money they spend on the ticket and the money they spend on the clothing, right, Mm -hmm. in some way empowers them to be owed something and the ability to respond negatively if needed. Yeah. On top of the fact that you have taken in copious amounts of alcohol. Right? So there's a voyeuristic thing because at least in more in a lot of sports history, there's white men who have left a city. Right? There's a real like you know, let's look at the vet or like a lot of places, all the hers hills are different. I don't want to touch on that, but these are people who lived in the city to find themselves. We know we're able to benefit because of structural racism, right? To move out of a city. So you no longer live in a city, you're 30, 40 minutes from a city. You come back into the city to watch a sport in the name of the city that you no longer live in. Yeah. Yeah. And you're and you're fired up off a of, uh you know a six pack a bun, you know, but why the highlighters? You fired you fired up off a six pack or whatever alcohol you took in, and now you feel like you were empowered to actually engage people in that way. So I, I do think there is a there's a really interesting voyeuristic and racial component to to that. I know you you go real more. Yeah, and, and and it's and just as we know, I mean, all the the palace of Auburn Hills, it wasn't just outside Detroit. That's your way outside Detroit. Like I, I, I remember going, you know, when I, I had the opportunity to you know, work out of Detroit in a program, and we were heading out to where this uh where we were having a like a, a retreat, so to speak, and we were riding and riding, heading. I think it was sort of north ish, north northwest, and I was yeah. like, I was like, wait a minute, the palace of Auburn Hills way out here. Like we like that John was way out. If at least it felt way, it felt super far. <laughs> well, it, it felt like I'm, if you said the Sixers was playing it, like in Voorhees, that's how it felt. <laughs> yeah, for those that don't know. To me, it's like if you said the six if you to me it's like you saying that the Sixers played damn near in Britain, depending on how long it takes you to get there. Right. Like Auburn Hills is like 25 miles. Yeah, it was wild far, man. <laughs> right? From, from the city of Detroit. And you dig it, and you think we was growing up, they played at the Pontiac Silverdome, right? Right. To the point where I thought Pontiac Silverdome was like one staying like in a, an abutting uh, suburb. Mm-hmm. Right? No. And this is made, we're doing this so that only certain people get to come see watch this, uh, this game. Mm-hmm. No other way to look at it, yeah. right? 
And it's being done again because Detroit has this classic white flight. Everyone loves this up until recently with some of the shifts that happened in Detroit. Everyone loves to say they're from Detroit, but they don't love to go back to Detroit. Right. They don't, they don't actually stay inside of what would no where they don't even go, <laughs> they don't even go to Detroit, Detroit anymore. Right. Even, we know they don't live there, they don't even go to the place anymore, right? right. So the race in place conversation about Auburn Hills alone is like, yo, who is getting up to take their kids to do that? And again, to my point, by the time you get all the way to Auburn Hills or wherever you live, you're, you're operating off this energy that Detroit is bad boys, right? Mm-hmm. So you're taking on a persona that has been constructed by a by a business. It's like you giving, acting like you tough, like you down with death row records. So you so you put on a like you put on a turtleneck like shoot night, right? right that is right. essentially what like sports teams have been able to create constructs in people's lives where they take that on. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you know, I guess highlighted by the, the recent NFL preseason uh fracases that <laughs> have happened in the stands at different games where people with people's fighting each other. Like they ain't even Right, the players they they so hyped up they get bad at each other in the stands and get into a scrap, and, and people that look like they're rooting for the same team sometimes, like so it's it's a weird environment, right? And and it, that and, and I thought that it was, I wanted to just see that like we have a situation where you actually have thousands of people who are equally as accountable for their behavior as the players, but right. at the time this all happens, in no way did we pub, did the public entity find the, 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 the intestinal fortitude to go, hey man, just cause you fans don't mean you get to do whatever. Like, you just don't, right? You know what I mean? And you know, some people did, so, so I mean, so they on the game, Indiana's busting Detroit's ass, is is a blowout? It's a whoop down. It's, it's everything. Um, it's a hard foul. <laughs> Ron, Ron, Ron comes through with a hard foul on, on Ben Wallace. Um, <clears throat> tempers flare, you know. And I thought it was actually pretty dope the the context that they like they they built around what was happening with all of those young men, right? right. And we're talking about young men, right? We, and we do a lot of time in our society talking about what young black men are doing or not doing, right? And how they police themselves, how they manage themselves, how they organize their 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 behavior and their thoughts. And so you got, you know, at least in terms of the central framing of the story, Ben is in is is in a heightened state, you know, and then like uh, and I thought it was dope that Jermaine brought up, they brought it up again in the thing that like his brother had recently died. And I think his brother was, I think either died and I don't remember the circumstances, but his brother had recently died. He's he's so he's in a heightened state internally. Ron's got right. persistent Ron. Per, right, because Ron perpetually in heightened. He's right. Like, in and, heightened. and I thought it was really, really interesting. And um, and then even in a couple of subsequent interviews that I got to see with Jermaine, where he people he really tightens in on. Like we we knew Ron had something happening, but like we didn't really understand it. Like we understand it now, right? Like we didn't understand right. like what it actually meant 
in how Ron behaved or decisions he makes or the way he was communicating or anything, like what it really meant. And like, he wished he understood that better earlier, right? So them just as peers, as men, as, you know, whatever have you, could have, they could have been, you know, he, he's at least with his words, I could have been a better teammate. <laughs> I could have been a better brother to him if I really understood what he was going through, right? What he was trying right. to process. Well, so, we don't, we didn't give, we didn't give and don't give because our actions are so criminalized and framed in such a way, we don't talk about someone has mental health issues. And sometimes in our own community, we don't talk like that, mm-hmm. right? We would, we would. I think the, the dialogue has changed. We would use words like, oh, he's a little off, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And we just be like, oh, he's a little off, or you yeah. need to relax, you need to calm down. Like, no, this person has real issues. So I just want to center, I think that like that conversation of, of mental health in our communities um, that then comes through in at the workplace, right? Because to me, and I don't know if he's still Metal World Peace around our test, right? Yeah, I think I don't. Um, I think he went. Or? I think he just. Yeah, I think he just sort of. I think he just. You know, I think he just be who. Yeah, I think he just okay. be Ron, but maybe okay. he still be okay. better cool. other places. I'm not 100 percent sure. Cool. So the brother, yeah, <laughs> Ron brother. slash better, the good brother. Um, you know, again, we have when we doing sports and stuff, and somebody like a little extra rough or uh, a dude uh, is uh, you know kind of extra intense around the game and stomps off and can't relax. Like we just internalize all that. Like, okay, he's just all he's raised by his mom. Like we create all right. these narratives, <laughs> right. right? We get we go, we go to everything. We go to everything and say, yo, this person might have some mental health challenges and we need to deal with this person accordingly. We create all these social norms around why you just took, if you just messed and took out one social norm and added one thing in, then it'll be different. So I just think it's important how you say how they said it, but just charge it to the game because he was such a hard player that it's like, we need to rethink about the rest of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we'll go to, and, I, and I'll just say it. So it's said, <laughs> we, we will ascribe to, yeah, he, like he's raised by his mom. He was not raised by his mom. His dad's always barren. He light skinned. He dark skinned. He, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. we just, it'd be a whole gambit of, oh, he was raised in suburbs. He was raised in the city. You know, like, right. like, whatever the behavioral manifestation, we will tie it to something that may have nothing to do <laughs> with what's happening, actually. Right. You know what I'm saying? And a- feel absolutely. confident. Feel like stridently, or he must have had too much milk growing up. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> all types of and, and people be be dead serious. Like, oh no, nah, you know that's because you know what I mean he was eating that soy milk. You know what I'm saying soy milk. Make, make then be like, like yo man, maybe fam just just has a hard time regulating, and it ain't got nothing to do with none of that stuff you talking about, man. Like, go read some actual. Yeah, I guess get frustrated. So, so when it when it when it pops off. You know, and and I remember watching like I was like, this dude is sitting on the laying on the table. But then I don't know, and I'll say it because I, I definitely was like, I mean, it wasn't the right thing to run in the stage and somebody hit him with the cup. But my own personal internal fight or flight radar went, hey man, don't be hit me with no cup. Right. <laughs> like, and I was just like, oh snap, he in the he in the stands. And then I, you know, it, it was very difficult. Like later, I was like, hey, he probably shouldn't have ran in the stands on that one. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if the dude, you know, and then Jack goes in, to, you know, because he like 
you know, and in many ways, you know, Jack was trying to get get to Ron before <laughs> Ron <laughs> destroys this person. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and then you know, the, the people just the dude. You know what I mean? And everything that transpires, right? So the, the thing that I, I thought was salient and important is that you know the way something a crisis happens and something that people already wanted to do becomes like easier to get through so the league was is all i mean the nba of all the sports professional sport leagues because of the primary components of who's in it is on it is in an ongoing consist persistent image battle at all times no matter who's even it even though the majority the vast majority of nba players for whatever you may think of them you know are not not involved in some sort of criminal enterprise they're not uh, they're not whoever the the negative or terrible thing you could think they are. They are not that right now. If you want to get into what their personal life was like, you can do that. You could probably also do that with every other sport, <laughs> right? Like, you know, if, if the perception is, well, you know, these guys, you know, so the, 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 and the clips that, you know, obviously it was a movie. So, you know, they pulled all the clips where they're like, oh, the prima donna thing. They don't, they think they're better because they make this money. They have to do this. They have to do that. This is all coded language that it's primary applied to black men in the public sphere and, and black people, you know, in, in, in a larger sense, especially as it pertains to entertainment, you know, or being a, a public figure that are not equally balanced to other communities. Um, read Major League Baseball, because we don't, you know, but, you know, we have no idea of the personal life transgressions as a person who is not a, a fan of that sport. Like you could get hear stuff about NBA players and you don't even watch the NBA. Right. It'll seep out. Right. Right. You don't hear nothing about MLB major league baseball players or hockey players, you know, sports that are more coded within our society, like as not black. Right. Hear a little bit about fo- pro football players, you know, like I me, mean, especially in the last couple of years, you hear more particularly around the issue of domestic violence, which is a warranted discussion um that needs to be happening right but that same discussion is is, is across uh you know sports uh, particularly um you know sports as it pertains to men being professionals and so when this when that happens like the decision to basically go we're gonna lay the hammer on these dudes like we're gonna lean into the idea it, it was almost like a like a um like something that would happen like in a school setting where it's like there's all these facts about the what happened that night but we we the only place we have authority is over the students so therefore we just going to lean into the, doing stuff to the students cuz really as a league we can't do we can't we can't tell 20 15,000 I don't know how many fans they probably on camera you could find throwing something right like if you right. went through and and say yeah all you know it's let's say let's say it was 2000 fans right. through an object we can't tell 2000 people that they can't come to the games no more so we we that's just a number that's too big for our market <laughs> so we're going to right. we're going to pick a couple egregious fans like the brother that threw the chair the dude that you know did the cup initially the dudes everybody that came on the court we're going to get all of them <laughs> but everybody else we just they going to kind of get a pass on this you know what i'm saying in terms of of a public discussion and in terms of uh even though I guess they did, you know, sounds like the DA did do a whole bunch of different uh, criminal. Mist- yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's, the, but it's the entitlement, right? It, mm-hmm. It's that, okay, 
yeah, the fans get a little passionate. Okay. Fans got a little passionate. But these are fans that y'all already had identified that when you were taking their season tickets. So to me, when you have a situation where you've identified a number of fans and you're going to revoke their ability to be a season ticket holder, you have a problem on your hands, right? Mm-hmm. They are repeat offenders. Right. What happened with Ron slash Meta, Steve Jack, and I know he has an, he has a uh, he converted to Islam, so yeah, I know he has a, a yeah, I'm not sure what Islamic it is. thing, yeah. Uh, but and, and Jermaine O'Neal were not like they were not repeat offenders. You see what right. I'm saying? But you do have problems in the system of the Palace of Auburn Hills and the Detroit Pistons team knowing you have a problem. So instead of diagnosing your problem appropriately, let's have a conversation about entitlement, about hooliganism in America. Because, you know, Europeans, soccer particularly, well, we already know that they have a problem with hooliganism in their sports. Mm-hmm. We actually don't like to talk about Americans because the capital, like the idea of the money takes over. You see what I'm saying? So we don't want to talk about that. <clears throat> so, yeah, you punish these people, you punish these folks as a reminder to other athletes. Right. That's what you're doing. You're punishing them as a as a as a uh, shot across the bow to the Allen Iversons, to this person, to that people, you know what I mean? Of like, don't y'all keep getting out of hand. Next thing you know, they get a dress code. Next thing you know, they get this, right? Like, we're taking control of the league back while you're making millions of dollars off of these people. And even, you know, the old David Stern conversation, that itself is much very, is very interesting when like, he essentially ran in in the NBA as a monarchy. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. For for context, for anyone, there's a podcast out that um, that talks about how the super Seattle Supersonics left for Oklahoma City, which uh, things called like Sonic Boom or something like that. Like if you mm-hmm. get a chance to listen, it is a fascinating that basically David Stern was judge, jury, and executioner on them moving, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you see this idea of this sport creating billions of dollars of global revenue, but essentially being run by one person mm-hmm. who had the ability to punish them in ways I think everyone would say was outsized, right? For what occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and never really getting to the crux of the issue <clears throat> of fans and the fans' relationship. Um, to to the thing. And then one more part about that I think is important was, again, now there's a different conversation because the NBA, one, a lot of the players, they are managing themselves, frankly, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so there's a different experience and I think many of them have recognized the importance of fostering this like wholly different experience for for fans right and and fans in the arena and outside the arena but also 2004 2005 this is old quote-unquote old school basketball right right 
This is hard-nosed basketball. And so you're really struggling with your product, right? You have hard-nosed basketball, hard-nosed players, right? And then fans fueled up off alcohol. That's that's going to be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you... um, watching them go through like that night and what's happening it, it definitely i mean one you know time and space gives the ability for the perspective and perspective that's hard to have in the moment and i thought like hearing ron even talk about like look i, I got on the table like i know on the table but i was doing i was doing my thing i was doing the thing they told me to do when i'm trying to emotionally regulate <laughs> And as someone who's, you know, have had copious experience with people that are trying to emotionally regulate and then they're trying to do the thing that, you know, the techniques or whatever. And then someone, if someone does something to you <laughs> in the middle of that, you trying to, you know, doing my countdown drawing, getting my breaths, whatever, whatever your particular modality. Like, again, he ain't right, but I understand what happened. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah, like, I mean, you know, maybe the, the, the suspension was probably, you know, was probably probably exorbitant. It probably didn't need to be a year, but I could dig it, right? Um, and, and I, but I also respect that, Ron. And and I think, I guess, the because the, I, I don't want to go too much into just legislating the past. The important thing I saw from it was looking at, it was almost like an opportunity if you pulled it out of the context of sports, of I, and I can't think of no particular incident from our own past necessarily, at least anything I would, would be banging on tape. You know what I'm saying? But the idea of we had, a, you had an incident that got heated and maybe there was an altercation and then having the benefit of growing as, as a person, as a man to look back at your situation and then see like actually getting people to see like how the, the reflectiveness the sense of self, the ability to talk about what was happening with them were, were maybe at, if we, you know, two weeks after they may not have been able to talk about it the way they were in this documentary, but all of the, the, the capacities, the skills set, the sense of the, the sense of telling your own story, their intellect <laughs> that's on display in the doc was present. They didn't like, you know, like they, you know, they were younger men, whatever, but you wouldn't often sort of give them credit for being, being self-aware, right? We, we don't frame uh, professional athletes as having the intelligence to discuss, um, and, and a lot of other people for that matter, but particularly for the professional athletes to discuss their own sort of circumstances and how they see themselves. And some people obviously are a little better than others at telling their stories, but I felt that it was good to see as is the case with most of us, most of us live beyond our twenties and our thirties and whatever decisions we made in our twenties and our thirties. <laughs> um, but we don't always get the benefit to have uh, opportunity to hear someone talk about, Hey, I, I was making these decisions when I was 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, or I did this when I was 28, 29, 30. And now, you know, uh, fortunately I, I, I've had the opportunity to live beyond whatever I was going through at that time. And it was, uh, you know, I, I think that I think for for some people who at least are open to the idea of moving 
to, to understanding that story with more depth than just the, you know, I, I lead, if you lean into the, the, all oh, these prima donna thugs and whatever about professional athletes, because I think underneath this and in the animus with, with, with the relationship between people who are fans and consumers of sports is that still on some level, the people that are really good at sports and are on the fields or on the courts or in those games, that on some level, they their ability to be there is just a product of some sort of magical luck and not their actual like work that they did that, you know, I guess mm-hmm. at the root of it, that they don't actually deserve to be doing it. You know, or that they, they deserve it. They deserve, they don't deserve as much money or your contribution to that jam mm-hmm. <laughs> entitles you to have the ability to make a judgment on it. Mm-hmm. Right. So you paid $50 to come to this game. I paid $50. I don't, I expect you to run, jump and do stuff to my liking. Mm-hmm. Right, because I paid for this. Yeah. Right, I bought a hat. <laughs> right. <laughs> so therefore, here's how I want you to perform. And like you said, you got here by luck or or genetics, which is a whole nother conversation. Because if you got here because you're because you're bigger and stronger, right? Yeah. Not because you're good. Not because you work at it. Not right. You, Not because you, you've made yourself the best at at whatever it is. It's because you're bigger and stronger. So. Yeah, if I got to talk, you know, I expect you to conduct yourself a certain way. And hey, if I got to cheer you and boo you and tell you that you that your mom ain't shit and you you know, you know what I mean? Like, yes, mm-hmm. I can do that to you cuz I paid for it. I paid for the experience. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think like, like I said fandom and capitalism becomes a really interesting intertwining, especially I think in the American psyche, right? Um, it takes on different forms in different countries and different sports, right? Um, but there is a psyche of which you think you are entitled to do this because of your ability to purchase the experience. And then the expectation that you have based on your ability to purchase the experience, which may or may not be attached to the context that the actual sport functions in, right? Of decorum, right? Mm-hmm. We can uh, by, there's no debate that when you jump off the when you get, leave the crowd, when you leave the floor and go to find somebody to throw a bottle at you, you have broken the decorum, yeah. right? Yeah. That that goes without saying, right? Right. And to the degree of which you have done that as an outlier, there should there's there's going to be some challenge because you've broken, I think, the spoken and unspoken decorum, right? Mm-hmm. But losing an, an entire season of your career based upon it was a preemptive strike designed to dissuade future behavior, not necessarily to be equitable, you know, to be equitable in meeting out justice. But again, David Stern's goal wasn't justice. Yeah. Well, right? that is into it, the idea that like. <laughs> and I remember like the number they that like we gotta make sure this never happens again. But it's like if you like how many, how many actual incidents? Like it, it was not as if there was some imminent threat of players fighting fans at a ra- like on a rash level. Even uh what because it was a I guess it was last this this season, and I don't remember the incident, just like things with fans probably going over the line and um 
you know, which happens. Um, I think somebody threw, I can't remember now, but I think somebody threw something at an NBA player this yeah. season. A couple, I think there was a couple incidents. Right. But when you look at the larger in the longer, broader, you know, aspect of the data, yes, kick that person out, ban them from the drone, like they don't need to be up in here. But it's not like there's this, this these rampant incidents of like every year where an NBA player leaves the court, was leaving the court to have an engagement with a fan, right? To justify the right. decision. Right. But the idea that that the external world and at large, especially people who probably didn't really watch basketball or much, you know, maybe not in the sports at all. Like the the under what's under there was, you know, and I just I've been reading, I just finished reading cast and some other, so it's probably very salient in my mind right now. <laughs> the idea of like we need to establish place for these people and that they understand what their role is. You're down there to entertain, you 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 are not to you know, push back against whatever the, the, the fever pitch of the, of the crowd, you know what I'm saying? And the audience at any level, um, you know, and I would say really even, I mean, before that time, but even in that time, incidents that have happened where, where fans have gotten out of pocket or said something ridiculous to players, players have, you know, players have been also like, Hey man, like look, point at the rest. Like, yo man, come get her, <laughs> come get him. Like this dude right here. He's, 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 he's tripping. Like y'all need to get him um, in a way that I don't think in the past they've been empowered to like, yo, we're going to stop. I'm going to stop the game for y'all to come get him. Cause he's gone over the line <laughs> next to me. Right. I think the, looking at the situation uh, with Russell Westbrook, maybe two years ago uh-huh. uh, where the, you know, basically like, nah, man, I ain't dribbling up the court. Somebody need to get him. He's going too far. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think the incident before the, the the this situation was uh Cedric Maxwell uh Cedric Maxwell oh, why are you going back oh, Vernon Vernon Maxwell Vernon yeah. Maxwell okay. fighting the dude in, actually here in Portland um who and if you I've read listened to an interview about that I think the dude like I think he just lost a baby like premature like they had a child it was premature or something like that you know lost a child and the person said something about that and it was just like you going too far dog <laughs> you you've gone over the line. Right. And 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 I and I don't think that there's again related as I see it. No one who takes the matter into their hands, at least most folks, that say you've gone over the line. I feel I have no other options but to deal with it myself through physical contact, is then necessarily asking not to have consequences for their decision to take it, you know, for them to, to engage. Um but we also need to, if we are operating together, need to think about what was the consequences? Like what happened that this person felt that was their only recourse? And the assumption that the assumption that when someone wants to even approaches in a in a in a in a highly charged manner, <laughs> yelling at someone or approaching them, which may appear that they 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 want to have an actual physical altercation, the the benefit of it's reasonable that that person is that upset or that they, they have the capacity to be hurt in a way that they would be that upset and that be their reaction. That is not grounded in some like innate negative thing about them as a person. Typically black people were not granted the, um, 
the leverage to go, well, I would I would only assume he's that mad if somebody did something. Doesn't mean he's it's cool for him to go over there and smack nobody, but we need to also deal with what happened and like why did they have this reaction? And um, you know, I think in this day, I mean, one, I don't think anybody's going into nobody's stands or anything else, but I think that the the players and in sports in general of athletes getting a little bit more control of their narrative and ability to humanize themselves does leave some space now when something starts happening and there's an argument or whatever that there's at least a well yeah what did the fans say that was definitely not the case when we were kids at all you know what i'm saying and definitely was not the case you know when this incident happened but um you know i think now there's almost like well well you know what did that fan do? I mean, if it's, you know, even to, you know, where uh, I think it was also here a couple of years ago, I think when LeBron was still on the Cavs, maybe somebody said something to LeBron and he was just, you know, just mild mannered regular NBA season game. And then he just proceeded to take whatever they said to him out on the Blazers and <laughs> he demolished them <laughs> like 38 points. Blazers <laughs> like, Oh, Oh, you, Oh, you talking? Oh, let me, let me go do this to you. Let me go to do this to the other team. Cause you didn't poke the bear, but right. Anyway, um, well, no. I, so what I, I say about that, I think is, and it lends itself to your point about over time. Like we had this, we had this thing that happened 16 years ago, and largely speaking, we haven't had anything like that since. But we still have examples of fans being harmful. Mm-hmm. So we still haven't gotten to the crux of that issue, right? Right. Because that's still happening. People being spit on, people being disrespected. Right. We're still revoking season tickets from people for behavior, Mm -hmm. which, again, speaks to the this is part and parcel of the American sports system. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what this is like, what what we saw or what you watch when 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 folks that are listening are going to watch it. Is still part and parcel of the American sports system and the economics of it remain, mm-hmm. right? In the in the feeling about this level of ownership and connected mm-hmm. to fandom and selling jerseys and car decals, right? Remain. And even when people start talking about who has like the best fans and stuff like that. So for me, it was just really. You know, the ability to to tell your own story, you know, the, the, the ability to rewrite your own history, especially after something as deep as that. Um, and, you know, their ability to properly identify that, you know, they had some mental health challenges and that, you know, those things played themselves out. Right. But and to your point, the bigger point of reflection. Of. These were things that were done, and here's what we're saying as men today, yeah. you know, yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah, so that's, I mean, I think that was the, that's one of the things like I would just suggest or think people should, uh, you know, check it out. You know what I mean? Go and get back into that because the, you know, the, as with other global issues that are happening at this moment that we're not going to discuss today, you know, when we look at something in the crucible of the moment, we can feel empowered to say things that don't actually stand up to the what to to, to the if you if you add in the details right if you paint in painting it in the broader in the broader picture if you look at 
all of what's happening here. And, and, and it's okay to not be happy with what's happening, right? Or to see something that's happening and say, yo, that's not cool that that's happening. But it's another thing to act as if what's happening is not in line with what the prior occurring circumstances were. <laughs> right. So right. whatever that may be, right. If, it, if it's, if it's, you know, you know, yeah, I'm not going to leave it there. Cause I, I'm not, I don't want to open up that can on those things, but on some of those issues, but it's like, you know, us operating in an ahistorical, um, ungrounded, unrooted, and, and in, in many ways distant from the actual human you know, persons who are involved in circumstances and then, you know, and quite frankly, turning what's happening with other people into a moment to further our own ideas, our own sense of self-worth, you know, often not, not actually in the benefit of an improved, proving the situation um, for anyone involved, but more to further our own ideas. It's just, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an occurrence that I would like to see us find a way to, to push, to move away from. Right. And that every, that you can reframe. And so, you know, for those who who didn't give a damn about NBA players to begin with, <laughs> who wasn't watching games, who had no real relationship with the sport or with the players, this became an opportunity for them to spout off around their own feels, fears and insecurities about Black men in the public space. Um, as much as, you know, they... I, I guarantee you, they didn't lose no sleep around the well-being of of of, of sports fans, <laughs> for the most part. And that's the the um, from in terms of institutional institutions' ability to be trusted. I think people being, you know, mindful of, and and I think a, a recurring theme of our own conversation a lot this year around how many of these different vehicles that people lean lean on for their understanding and perception of the world are not really in it for any kind of, they're in it for you to keep watching. They, they don't totally care if they're hundred percent on point with how they're capturing the story. <laughs> they're more concerned with capturing you to watch them tell the story. And I think, mm. um, you know, so I think it's really, I think it's, it's an adjustment. Um, something from the past is lost, but also I think something is gained with, um, those who are involved in some of these things. So in this case, the players and, and the athletes having more control of their own narrative. Um, but with that also are some of the, the, the when, when, the, when there's, when there's things to be uh, challenged about their, their discussion of their own narrative, it's a little bit, it feels a little bit more personal and digging because they're telling their own story and you're like, yeah, but you just kind of told something that was a little bit of flim flam, my man, like, you know, no, no disrespect, <laughs> but you just tried to float me a boat right there. Like that was, <laughs> you are not seeing, you know, so it's a give and a take, but I think there's a potential in there with finding um, a ground where at least there'll be more, more accounts of whatever's happening in the public record um, than would have been maybe, you know, a generation ago for sure. So. Yes, sir. All right. Well, with that, you got anything for the good of the order? Order really good. You set the order up. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, you know what I'm saying? I was saying go watch it. Um, as always, you'll take the best part for yourself. And um, all right, I'm say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Thank you to you for listening and supporting Good Brothers, Ash Head Podcast, me, myself, Justice Rod G, my brother, I'm Majestic. We really appreciate it. You can show your support by one, listening, sharing, 
pass that along. Becoming a patron on Patreon. Just search up Justice Raji. That's a change, ain't it? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it should pop up, you know, quite quickly. And also, the link is always in the show notes. Um, yeah, it should be an interesting next few months. Um, you know, a lot happening in the world, a lot happening would be myself, which hopefully I will be able to, to bring Lisa into this conversation, you know, to the degree that's appropriate. But, um, you know, please keep an eye out. Please keep listening. And um, we'll be in touch. Um, thank you again. Peace.